This is The Way to Work with the ADECO Group Foundation on Monocle 24, the programme that puts the future of working life firmly in the spotlight. This week, as people around the world adjust to the new normal of the coronavirus pandemic, we'll ask how leaders should react. As we sit down with the ADECO Group's CEO, Alain Daz, and Monocle's Editor-in-Chief, Tyler Brulé. So far in this series, we've outlined the challenges facing the workforce from advances in technology to a shifting set of corporate values that stand to reshape working life. But as COVID-19 has reached out of news broadcasts to touch the lives of workers across sectors, many of the changes that once loomed on the horizon have turned into obstacles in our direct path. Where work-based learning and upskilling appeared to offer a means to safeguard careers in the face of relatively rapid shifts in working practices, they've become urgent cornerstones of career resilience in economically uncertain times. Where advances in communications technology pointed towards a future of diffuse, decentralised workers, workplaces around the world have been atomised at a stroke as public health legislation has forced people to keep out of the office. So what do these expedited changes mean? How can workers ensure they safeguard their careers in the face of global economic uncertainty? How should leaders recalibrate their strategies to accommodate a decentralised workforce? And as organisations rush to accommodate these unprecedented times, which key policies and strategies are likely to stick in a post-pandemic world? That's all coming up on this week's edition of The Way to Work with the ADECO Group Foundation. Alain Daz has spent almost five years as the CEO of the ADECO Group. As a leader, he's particularly interested in the technological shifts that stand to reshape work in the future and the opportunities they present for the workforce with the right employer initiatives. Among the core shifts expected in the medium term is a turn to decentralised working with advances in communications technology allowing people to work from home. The coronavirus outbreak has accelerated this shift and introduced new challenges to those in leadership roles, both directly in the necessary restrictions it's imposed on people's movement and indirectly as its effects have rippled out into the global economy. To explore these issues, Alain spoke to Monocle's editor-in-chief, Tyler Brulé. Tyler himself is no stranger to leadership in the face of adversity, having successfully established Monocle even as the global recession of the late 2000s shuttered businesses around the world. Their conversation offered a clear-sighted analysis of the threats COVID-19 has brought to the private sector and the way it stands to reshape the future of work. Here's what they had to say. Who would have thought when we embarked on this series that we would be taking such a, a dramatic turn in terms of certainly one of the you know, the most incredible crises that I've I've seen as a journalist and and a business owner. Uh, I'm sure also in your lifetime as well. But if we look at what Adeco as a group is doing, what would you say are some of the key responses? I mean, someone who hears the word Adeco and then they think, okay, what what is this company doing out in the market right now? What would you say are the the key areas where you've been functioning over these last you know, three or four weeks since this has really hit. Now, what we have said is uh, to navigate through this crisis, uh, we we need to stick to three guiding principles. The first thing is that we have said is people first. People first take care of, first of all, of our own people, 
to make sure that they are safe, healthy, that they are, they are, they are in the right environment, not only your own people or own staff, but also for sure all the associates. We have about 2 million people working every day uh, for, uh, with an ethical contract and make sure that they are, they are also in a safe and healthy environment. The second guiding principle is to be there for all customers because all customers are also facing huge disruption. Uh, schools, universities, but especially schools closings request parents to be there. You have uh, staff uh, being caught by the virus and we need to be there to support them and, and make sure they can, uh, they can continue to, to produce, to service their customers and so on. So that was the, the second guiding principle, be there for all customers. And the third one is, this is also, there are a lot of opportunities internally, but also externally, where we can accelerate the digitalization of the tools, uh, new solutions we want to bring to our customers. So don't waste the crisis. Mm. These are the three guiding principles we are currently sticking to. Right now, more than ever, if I'm a customer, I want to know that whoever my suppliers, my partners are, are going to be there for me. And and then, of course, so many of us as managers as well just have to deal with these the internal issues. I mean, suddenly you're, you're almost your own client in many ways. So what does business continuity look like for you at the moment? Business continuity is related to the first the regulation, the local regulation, but in some countries, uh, governments have decided to stop the activities. And fortunately, in the majority of them, we have been considered as an essential activity of the country and the economy. So it means that even in Italy or in Spain or in France, or people are still allowed to to move away to from their home to go for work and support our customers. This is the external part. And then the business continuity inside is to make sure that our infrastructure is supporting today 80% of our people. So today we have about 27,000 people working from home, recruiting people, paroling or candidates, recovering cash collection is going on, even if these 27,000 people are not more anymore in our branches, in our headquarters and so on, and our system are functioning in a totally remote way. I think our listeners are probably wondering when you say that never, we should never waste a crisis. Can you give us some examples right now? What, what sectors are, are, are really key for you where, where in a way you feel you've hit stride or, or where you do see opportunity you know, in, in certainly the mid to uh, or, or even short term, given all that we face? I can give you some examples. First of all, we have deployed new digital tools and there was always a certain reluctance to, to use them. And yes, when you are home and uh, you absolutely need to communicate, to work, and so there is an acceleration regarding the usage and the willingness to use the digital tools, so clearly. Second, yeah, we had a lot of, still a lot of paper-based transaction invoice, uh, getting invoice from all suppliers still on paper and so on. And by working in a totally, let's say, remote and digital way, we have said to all, all suppliers, look, now we, you have really to accelerate this digitalization too because it will make all work easier and faster and more convenient. So this is two typical examples. 
And what about clients and sectors? You don't have to name names, but are there certain areas of business with your existing partners where you've said, look, this is actually more than ever where a deco can be right in there or, or, one, or certainly under one of your other affiliate brands as well, where we're really able to make a difference. And of course, I mean, let's also talk about opportunity where it can, of course, you know, improve revenues as well. Absolutely. We see, for example, uh, all the activities related to the e-commerce and, and the platform economy is really... Uh, at a very high level, logistics for e-commerce companies. We are today at the level of the Christmas peak, what we call the so very high uh, activities. So just to be clear, that means getting staff into logistics warehouses, getting into e-commerce you know, businesses, and really looking after the whole chain. I mean, as you're saying, this is I mean, like, this is sort of the sense we all have at the moment. But you're really talking about yeah, this this run up to November period picking, packing, getting all of these things out, this is where you start to hit stride. Exactly. And we speak about really high growth activities in this. We speak also new field of business, you know. Other example is in the agriculture. We see that many uh, companies will miss the seasonal workers from uh, coming from other countries. And, and we see governments, we see uh, food processing companies coming to us and say, can you help us to solve this issue? Because the harvest uh, of, of fruits, of vegetables is coming and we don't have people. Can you help us? This is, this is a live story and it goes maybe a little bit off script. Recently... We saw the French government saying they need some 300,000 people out in the fields because the first batch of strawberries need to be picked soon. What is the interaction? You know, if How does ADECO work with when a government makes a call like this, when you have municipalities in France who, who, who of course, need workers? What are the mechanics of that look like? Because, I mean, this is people are, are, are terrified about not having green produce in their grocery stores. Absolutely. And that's where, you know, uh, if I take uh, the ADECO group, we are in many countries, we are one of the biggest private employer. And it means that we have also direct dialogue with both governments, corporation, and so on. And, and to refer to the, the project you were mentioning, and I was mentioning, for sure, we have a direct connection with the government, with the, the, the food processing company, but also the, the agriculture uh, representatives. And, and together, we have a task force trying to find solutions. Let's maybe just pivot a little bit and look at the role, the responsibility, of course, that any any corporation has. Do you feel, as, as you look at this in a very live capacity right now, that your sense of responsibility changes or there are already these things were already embedded within ADECO's you know, codes within your corporate foundations? Or have you said, actually, you know, there needs to be really, we need to step this up in a different way. So I'm wondering if there's any sort of live lessons that are being learned at the moment. Look, we stick, uh, like yesterday, today and tomorrow, we stick to our purpose, which is to make the future work for everyone. And everyone is for all kinds of people, very skilled, less skilled, unskilled, disabled people. We see really our purpose to be there also. And in every type of conditions, and especially in that type of crisis, we see us as, as a solution to cope with sometimes uh, lack of uh, human resources, find creative way to really make the future work for everyone. And it is a wonderful purpose we are fulfilling right now in many countries in a very difficult situation. Mm. We've been talking a lot about messaging throughout 
all of this, we're looking to corporate leaders. We look at heads of, of, of course, large medical groups. At a national level, we look, to, of course, to, to national leaders as well. Do you think corporations play a different role when it comes to leadership? Because of, I think many of us have seen, yeah, some heads of state are not very good communicators in crisis. You would think they are. There's a lot of questions. Europe looks very different across one border to the next. So if I'm working for a company, maybe once upon a time, I still would have, let's say, looked to the capital city. But do you think now we've seen a bit of a shift that also corporate leadership, maybe we can't say it's on par, maybe sometimes it's better. But is there is the corporate voice changed, both on the part of the employee, but also on the part of your partners and clients as well? Two answers. I think one general answer is both for governments and corporations in, in such situation you need uh, you need communication you need proximity you need uh, visibility because uh, people or citizens are expecting uh, guidance and direction from uh, from you so that's for both for governments and, and corporation what is perhaps more specific right now is that uh, more and more citizens are expecting from corporation to fill the void that some governments uh, are are living a and that corporation are speaking up are taking initiatives I take the example of uh, the CEO of uh, Uber writing to the, the President of the United States asking to, uh, to do something to recognize uh, this, uh, the status of, of the, the Uber drivers so that they can get some kind of social protection in, in the crisis coming in. And this initiative you see it in, in the US but you see it in many countries that business is acting about influencing, supporting social protection, but also uh, other initiatives, because the world is changing. And governments and countries have difficulty to adapt their system with the same speed as the world is changing. Gig economy is a very good example. So today, 47% of uh, the fresh graduates in, uh, in the US will enter the labor force as a freelance. But you see that the social and the protection system are not adapted to that kind of new reality. And that's where we, as um, one of the biggest employers in the world, we are speaking up, we are influencing the government to, to make the right steps in the right directions because they have to adapt to the new reality of this world. There's been a lot of discussion right now, of course, leading into this. We know we've been talking about remote working and, of course, how is the changing workplace evolving, etc. And we're almost in a period now, it's, it's almost like be careful what we once upon a time wished for. And, and we thought that the future was going to look great because everyone could be at home and everyone could be on digital platforms. But we, we've seen so many different things unfold. The people who you would have thought really would crave to be at home, actually, they want to be in the office right now. Other people, of course, are, are maybe you know, for, for health reasons or scared to be in there. Do you think that we actually return to a, a, a state of normalcy uh, after this, that there will be a settle down? Or is this really marked a fundamental you know, turning point? Technology has revealed that we don't all need to be in the same place. Has this marked a watershed moment in terms of the way we work? I think that there will be a, a pre-pandemic and a post-pandemic way of work. And if working from home was pre-pandemic a, a kind of benefit, people were entitled to and, and very uh, happy to use. Today, it is a necessity because we have to. 
And, and I'm not sure if tomorrow will be a benefit, a necessity, or a, a, a flexible tool. Because yes, some people are have very good conditions uh, to work at home, but some others, for some others, it's it's very difficult. If you are living as a family with two working partners with children, it's extremely difficult to take calls the whole day with uh, doing homeschooling and homeworking at the same time. So I think that there are many people in the world today who are very happy at the perspective to come back at the office today. And if we look at that sort of, let's say, the, the short-term play, the, the mid-term play in terms of what's going to stick, you know, do you think that there are really sort of certain things that, yeah, as people look at their 2021, 2022 budgets, do we see a lot of CEOs say, ah, you know what, we're going to get rid of 20% of our floor space suddenly because actually some of this homeworking, actually, that worked okay. Do we see other companies you know, potentially uh, looking at, yeah, we're going to go more freelance. We just realize we don't need as, as many fixed workers. And maybe the third part are just some things also now off the table. Has this also... Uh, really shown in what will become a hopefully a post-pandemic world that actually some of these measures that we thought were were interesting, they were nice little experiments, forget it. You know, we need to get back to, to this. One country to be looked at will be China to see how they are going out of this, this crisis and what they are doing. I think it won't be black and white. It it won't be let's go now 100% digital because we have been 100% digital uh, during a um, few weeks, few months uh, during the, the crisis. I think we will come back to a kind of mix where for sure digitization will have accelerated and will continue to accelerate. But on the other side, you know, the, the social contacts uh, are very important. So to there are many cases of uh, isolation. And how do you make sure that work uh, still fulfill one of the biggest uh, value of it, which is social integration. And by being just alone in a room somewhere in the world, you don't work to your your social integration. You need physical contact. And I think it will be a kind of new balance between the two, taking the advantage of digitalization, but continuing to to play out this physical presence uh, to realize the social integration, develop uh, further. Mm. I'm, I'm sort of intrigued by, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting a sense, there's an interesting tone coming through, having sort of listened to you now for a few minutes, that technology, fantastic, and, and everyone wants to be part of the digitization story. But then I come back to the fundamental role that that you play as a company, which is we can talk about AI all all you want, but there's nothing that's going to be picking your tomatoes at the moment, which AI is is generating, delivering. Nothing is going to be putting a ribbon on a box at the moment because you've ordered something from a major German mail order house. The human side of the story, and 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 I guess when we talk about maybe jobs which are not white collar they are these are jobs which did not demand that you got a degree from INSEAD there's a sudden realization maybe that that this other part of uh, certainly the employment chain is incredibly important and we realize how fragile um, it is so do you think there's also a new recognition and respect for the real human nature of being able to use your hands and 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 be part of not just a supply chain but be a fundamental cog in keeping the world moving. 
I think that there, there, there will be major consequences. Yes, the recognition of, of the value of the, the, the human resources everywhere, but also the, the benefit of uh, not always to rely on one single source somewhere in the world. This is another example. So I can anticipate that we, we go back to dual sources and, and for sure also uh, the, the proximity aspect uh, will be very important. So there will be major conclusion taken out of this, this crisis. And I think for the, for the good sake of the, the, the humanity and uh, it should be positive also for, for the human being uh, as outcome. You don't have to sort of speak directly to maybe to your client base, but have there been surprises? You obviously have discussions along with, with, of course, other big players. You're talking to other CEOs. Do, do you think that everyone is moving at the same speed, whether it's by sector, whether it's by geography? Do you feel there's been a, maybe a European mindset and approach to this versus maybe how North America might be responding versus you, you touched on China, but also other other Asian markets as well? And I guess I'm just sort of keen on, on a very personal CEO's point of view as to what the response level has been and the agility, how quickly other markets have been able to move you know, con- compared to others. For sure, it depends uh, in what kind of industry you are, you are in. Some of, uh, of the industries are have been heavily hit. If you are in charge of an airline industry or if you are in the travel industry, the tourism and so on, this, this is huge. Uh, this has huge impact. So on the, on the other side, if you are in the, I would say, pharmaceuticals company and so on, I think the impact is, is, quite, uh, is quite limited. That's point one. So it depends of the industry, point one. Second, it's also very, um, I would say, political. And you see that the answer given to the way to manage the crisis has been heavily influenced by the, the political regime in place. You see how China has reacted. You see how Singapore, Hong Kong, South Korea have reacted. And then you come to, uh, to Europe where... Uh, you see how all governments have reacted with the p- social protection system, activated uh, investment and so on. But on the other side, you have also some countries having said, oh, but we prefer mass mass check, but we don't uh, lock down the economy. A- and this is today, again, too early to see what, ha- what has been the best answer to, to this crisis. But for sure, the way people are handling the crisis is related to the political uh, system in place to the industry in which are, which are in place and and also also for sure the leadership you have in the company and, and say okay we want to lead this crisis in the best way and we want to protect our people like we do we want to help our customers and we want to take this also as an opportunity to accelerate things that's the way we are looking at it as we move into q2 of course many many priority shifts what's top of mind for you when you were talking to leaders within your group uh, how are you maybe asking them to to restack priorities i mean of course you know we, we've kicked the discussion off talking about obviously the, you know the three things that are of course key to your business but are there are there other fundamentals that you're saying guys look at i think you need to be a bit more mindful of of these things and of course i don't want you to give away any big corporate strategy but what what are you saying to certainly your your other deputies out there our mind is, is already beyond q2 I think Q2 is, uh, is, is pretty clear for us. Uh, we know what we can expect. We have a certain visibility. We have limited visibility, but Q2 is quite clear. 
what is uh, more the, the point on which we are working is more after Q2, Q3, Q4, and how will uh, economies and companies go out of this uh, this current crisis. Again, we are looking at China, how China is going out of this crisis. There are now nine weeks uh, after the peak. We see what they have react they reactivated. We see also what they, they, they have not reactivated. Universities are still closed. Uh, schools are still closed. Mobility intercities is still, is still not allowed. So you see, and that's all these elements we are taking into account to, to already simulate the future and what it means for us and what kind of actions we have to take. Mm. All business leaders I'm talking to now, I'm trying to sort of gauge where, where people are. I can, I can reveal, we've sort of said in our business, we don't see things really opening up. And of course, our business is more about our advertising and, and, and the consumer spending. And we really think it's a Q4 reawakening for us. As a company, as a deco, how are you sort of looking at, at this, yeah, the, the Q3 moving into Q4 component? It will depend from uh, industry to industry, uh, depending. And, and as we are in all type of industries, we are analyzing uh, let's say, the outcome of the crisis uh, segment by segment or sectors by sector. And, and that's how we will make, uh, we are making our plan uh, post-crisis. Just before we go, uh, you touched a little earlier on on this this notion of, of, of mental health. And, and as we've said, you know, this has been such a, a pronounced component of this, you know, Yes, uh, wonderful that technology has enabled all of us to work from home and for us to be on conference calls all day and, and feel connected. But you know, some of it, we have to admit, it's an illusion too. Um, it's an illusion to feel that you're able to be as productive as when you're in office. Uh, I can overhear my colleagues say something. There's a lot of intuitive communication that goes on, which we simply haven't been able to, to replicate in, in a digital world right now. If this becomes 10, 15, 20% of the way we work or in terms of growth, in terms of the digitization, do we start to build in new mental health elements in terms of the types of advisors? Is there a whole new layer that comes with human resources that probably wasn't there before? I would say that uh, motivation, health and safety of all people have been always a, a key topic and a key priority for the group. We are one of the best, great place to work in the world. Uh, we are the number five in Europe. So this is something we have a, a lot of attention to. And especially also in, in, this, uh, in this spirit, we have uh, published some best practices on how to, to work at home uh, because we know that for many people it's a new experience and we want to, to help them, to support them so that they can be not only productive but also happy worker. Home worker, uh, thanks to uh, to the group, but yes, definitely it, it, it's a new dimension, and uh, we try also to be there, the best uh, home employer in the world. And now, if I'm uh, if I'm Mr. Spohr or if I'm Mr. Smith at uh, Air France KLM listening to this, do you think our, our patterns change in terms of how we work? Do we think? Do you see maybe a slowdown in in travel, even when? Orly reopens and when City Airport reopens in London, are we going to be slow off the mark to get back out in the world? Or could it go the other way? People are just going to be, I, I, I can't wait to get on a plane because I need to go and see those clients. Do you think we see a surge or is it going to be a, a slow takeoff again? And, and 
do corporate travel policies change? I mean, this this notion of of the executive nomad or the self-employed nomad does does that have a bit of a correction? I think there will be uh, some type of I don't know if it is correction, but change. I can give you one example because of this uh, coronavirus uh, crisis. I did the first time my full digital roadshow with investors. And I must say it was it has been very positive. And so one of the decisions I've taken is that uh, in the future, I will do one roadshow out of two in a digital way because I think it was very efficient for everybody, very convenient. This is one example. But I'm sure in the company, we have also, let's say, experience the value and the efficiency of, of doing things digital. So why should we travel that much when it is not uh, efficient in terms of, uh, of productivity, when it is costing money and when it is also costing the environment? And we have to take all these elements uh, in the future equation and say, okay, does it make sense to take the plane to, uh, to fly to Paris when perhaps we can do uh, that in a similar way uh, to uh, teams or, or, or whatever. By the way, I don't travel anymore to any countries if I have not outside uh, appointment. All the internal meetings and so on, we can do it already today with technology. Hmm. Finally, just before we go, you don't have a crystal ball in front of you uh, right now, but if you look out ac- across the horizon, a lot, a lot of sectors have said, for example, if you look at the, the luxury goods sector, they, they often say, out of a crisis, when we've seen an economic slump, you know, we come back two or three percent stronger because there's there's pent up desire and and demand. How do you look at it from certainly from the, your CEO's perch in terms of when when we get back to steady state to a state of, of normality that there's that I mean in one way you can capitalize uh, on a correction, but what's your eighteen month view? Difficult, I know, but uh, I'm sure everyone sitting at home is wondering uh, what your take is on this, Anna. It's it, for sure. It's, it's difficult, but what I'm absolutely convinced is that the world going forward will be more and more human resources, flexible human resources, amplified with with technology, and so you see all the business model, new business model, are combining more and more flexible solution in terms of human resources. Not only the challenge, but one of the mission we have is to develop solution which combines flexibility for the employers, but also tomorrow also for this uh, this labor force because the new generation want flexibility, but at the same time security, so that the social protection system allows this flexibility to be positive and in period like today, that it's not because you are. Uh, a free agent or uh, somebody belonging to the gig economy that you don't have any social protection system because you ha- you don't have a contract of, of indefinite duration. There we need to solve that I- in a structural way. That's why we request a new social contract, taking into account this new reality uh, we are facing, both on the company side, they need flexibility, but also on the human resources side, requesting flexibility and security. And that's all we've got time for on this week's edition of The Way to Work with the ADECO Group Foundation. We've been hearing from the ADECO Group's CEO, Alain Daz, in conversation with Monocle's own editor-in-chief, Tyler Brulé, unpacking the unique challenges the coronavirus pandemic presents to the future of work. In forthcoming episodes, we'll be tackling some of the ideas they've raised head-on, 
as we delve into the ways individuals can safeguard their careers and develop resilience in the face of global economic uncertainty. And as people adjust to working from home, we'll ask how, beyond instant messaging and video conferencing platforms, technology can be most usefully employed during the pandemic and in the post-pandemic future. Keep up to speed and find new episodes in the meantime at monocle.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And find out more anytime about the work of the Foundation. Simply visit adecogroupfoundation.org. That's all for this edition of The Way to Work. I'm Tom Edwards. Thanks very much for tuning in and wherever you are in the world, do stay safe. Stay safe.